All right, everyone, welcome to The Hub here on The Hotspot, our brand new show. I'm Nestor Laconda with both sides of the ticket for the senatorial race certified. There are a lot of new faces and familiar faces. Joining me, I have Democratic Party Chairman Tony Babauta. Hello. Representing the, the Republicans is former Governor Paul, uh, Eddie Calvin. Well, he's another former Republican uh, that elected is leader. true. And, of course, our good friend uh, Ron McNinch. Uh, from the University of Guam. Thanks for joining us, gentlemen. Great You're to welcome. be here. All Thanks right, let's here. get right to it. Now that uh, all of the uh, candidates are certified for the upcoming uh, primary election on August 27th, uh, here's an opportunity to uh, tout uh, your ticket. Uh, mm -hmm. Let me start with you, Gov. Uh, so you've got uh, 16 uh, candidates, so one of them is not going to make it. But uh, tell us about your, well, your, your pool. Number one, for someone who's been in, in politics for 20 years and, and as a Republican, and I was just talking to Tony a little bit earlier on, for some reason, the Democratic Party always has more than enough in terms of candidates. But in my time uh, in elected office, uh, trying to recruit new candidates to fill, particularly the legislature, has been pretty difficult. So what I'm excited about, and I think a lot of it has to do with generational changes, the COVID crisis that hit us, we have 16 candidates. Actually, we had 17, but of course, one of them didn't fulfill the, the criteria for, right. for uh uh, the number of, of signatures needed. But we have 16 candidates. And, and what's interesting, it's a good blend. We have four incumbents uh, coming back. We have three uh, uh, former senators uh, that are coming back. And then, of course, the balance are, are new folks. And they, they range from military veterans, small business owners, folks that worked uh, in the private sector, some that have worked in the public sector. Uh, a lot. Some of them worked in NGO organizations. So we have. I think we have a pretty good smattering uh, of the electorate here. So I'm excited. Sure. A little bit of the veterans, uh, and then of course some of that new bl blood that every party needs. All right, Tony. How about your lineup? As the governor uh, said, uh, yeah. the Democrats haven't had too much trouble we, uh, filling we, the seats. We, right? we typically never have uh, uh, too many problems finding uh, folks who identify themselves as Democrat wanting to serve the public in, a, in the capacity of, a, of elected office. This year is no different. Uh, we have Governor Leon Guerrero, who has, uh, who's the incumbent, who has a challenger. We have uh, an open seat for delegate, and I have uh, two candidates uh, there running for office. And then for the senatorial seat, I got 21 candidates uh, trying to make it past uh, the primary election. Of that, um, uh, there's uh, one, one former senator, Kelly Marsh Titano, and then um, uh, we have, uh, uh, I guess, similar to the Republicans. We have uh, small business owners. I have uh, several veterans. Uh, uh, that are running for office. I have, I think we have two of the youngest candidates uh, on either side of the ticket, uh, Roy Canata and, and Alex Duenas, both very passionate about politics uh, uh, and, and well-versed in politics as, as well as whatever they have done in their professional capacities, which they will end up telling the people of Guam about. Uh, but it's, a, it's, it's always a very exciting race when it comes to, uh, to a Democratic primary. And, and we're excited to uh, uh, kind of uh, rally around our core values of, of Democrats and, and, and the leadership uh, uh, that, that, has, that is in place in making decisions for Guam to move us forward. All right, Ron, before we get uh, into discussions of the gubernatorial and, and, and the uh, co congressional race, I wanted to ask you, now that there are going to be, uh, I believe, five incumbents that are not running for, for various reasons, uh, some are running for other offices and some are uh, have decided not to run, um, does that make it uh, uh, a lot more attractive for newcomers to come on board and, and try their luck? Yeah, usually there's only two to three open seats in a general election cycle, but this election is a critical election. 
And V.O. Key, a very famous political scientist in the 1930s, came up with the theory of critical elections. And so what happens, in my view, for the Guam political environment, when you have Republican governors, the legislature turns Democrat. When you have a Democrat governor, the legislature turns Republicans. And the reason is jobs. So when a, a Republican governor's in office, a lot of the talent goes to the executive branch, and then the talent in the legislature then diminishes a bit, and then the political jobs are not there for the Democrats, so the Democrats take over the legislature. The same exact thing, uh, opposite thing happens when we have a Demo or Democrat governor and slowly, the, in my view, the legislature turns Republican. And you see this cycle over and over and over again when we start tracking out who takes over the legislature and who's dominating the executive yeah. branch. Well, when, when Governor Calvo, he, and then before him, Governor Camacho, yeah. they had 16 years. years and then it was right. primarily a, a Democratic. But go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. It just, there, that's why, again, there's a little bit of a difference when you take a look at the Republican and the Democratic Party and then the field of candidates, one thing I've noticed that I'm looking at the names here, you don't see a lot of folks that came from the government. So so that cycle you're talking about and how had how, how things have worked, it from, from the standpoint of what I see here in our in our new candidates, and I, I'm, I'm looking at the listing, obviously everyone knows Tom Fisher, uh, he, cause, because he was a supporter in the Republican Party and a lawyer uh, that worked with Republicans, but folks such as David Chrysostomo, Sandra Seau, Ken Leon Guerrero, Vince Borja, Bistra Mendiola, Ian Catling, Harvey Egna, uh, they're, they're a different group. They, 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 have a, they don't have a long history of public service. Like I said, they're folks that came either working in the private <laughs> sector, having their own business, uh, but, but not have not been involved in, in the political, in terms of elected uh, uh, positions, uh, and even in positions of government where they've been appointed or hired. Then of course, we're gonna, gonna go back, we have the, um, the, the incumbents like Chris Duaneus, Frank Blas, Joanne Brown, Telo Taidegui, solid. And we've got Chessie Lujan, uh, Mana Silva Tyron, and Sam Mabini, who again were those former senators that are coming back towards uh, looking towards getting getting a seat in the legislature. Tony, are you seeing the same thing in, in, in your in your lineup? Uh, yes, I mean we, we have a couple of uh, notable families that uh, that continue their legacy of public service, um, uh, running for office. Fred Berdalio, former veteran, former uh, chief of police, uh, longtime Democratic family, obviously. Uh, a newcomer, uh, Angela Santos, uh, the uh, the sister of uh, a former Senator uh, Angel Santos. That's a very strong. Uh, democratic grass, uh, grassroots, uh, but but we have uh, new people also um, uh, that that, that had, uh, some of them have been around the periphery of mm -hmm. politics, but uh, but neither of them have necessarily served the public in any sort of capacity uh, in government agencies. Uh, we have folks like um, uh, Roy Gamboa, uh, Jonathan Savaris, uh, Dwayne San Nicholas, a, a, a small uh, business owner. Uh, Will Parkinson is is also a, a legacy family. His his father, former speaker. Uh, Don Parks. I have a little longer list than you guys. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Alexander Duenas is one of our, our youngest candidates, as well as uh, Roy Kanata. I had mentioned uh, them earlier. John Ananich uh, has run uh, before. He's a former uh, police officer uh, and small business owner as well. David Duenas. Uh, I mentioned Kelly Marsh Titano. Uh, Franklin uh, Bunker Menno. You guys have had him on your on your show, as well as uh, Angela. Uh, Armando Dominguez. Uh, Sarah Thomas Nedidog, longtime uh, mm -hmm. NGO leader. 
Uh, and of course, uh, you know, one of your own uh, has has entered the race Chris under Malfunction Barnett. Chris yeah. Malfunction uh, Barnett, or you know, uh, uh, Democrat Daryl is what I'm going to start calling him, <laughs> yeah. right? But but uh, he's obviously a very notable name, very very popular in the community for his long years of uh, uh, of being a, a broadcaster. And so uh, I, I, there there are a few names that are very strongly tied to, mm -hmm. to kind of Democratic grassroots politics, but there are a lot of new names who are coming out. Uh, to serve in, uh, uh, in a capacity as a center and try to make a difference. And I think what I'm most proud about is that uh, after talking to, uh, to mostly all of them, uh, they're really rallying around democratic values. And, and so I think, uh, I think that's good for Guam. Hey, Ron, what's going to be the key to the newcomer's success, to getting, to getting in? Um, is there a particular issue? I, I t tend to think that you know, the pocketbook issues are going to prevail over everything. I mean, if people are worried about um, uh, putting food on the table and a roof over their head, they're pretty much not going to focus on anything else. Uh, what's, what do you think is going to be the key here? I, I have to disagree a little bit on the issues. It's personalities. The question is, has the person done things have, that have put their name out there mm -hmm. so that when, they, when we deal with studying how people vote on ballots, they do it a two-pass, three-pass system. They go through the ballot. They mark all the names they recognize. So name recognition is a key point. Uh, also, how much the person has worked at the grassroots levels with individual groups like their party or with, with community groups really matters a lot. So that's where uh, Sarah Nettedog is a great candidate. She's got a lot of community experience mm -hmm. and she's a known name. Uh, I was very impressed. I talked to uh, a, a gentleman, Ian Catlin or Caitlin, very impressed with him. I, I thought he had a lot of good, uh, interesting views. So we have some new names that are, yeah. are quite exciting in a lot of ways because, you know, it's, it's the Young Turk kind of uh, atmosphere. Uh, Governor Calvo was a Young Turk back in the day in, in the legislature. <laughs> And shaking it but, up, but and to that's that point, um, you said yeah. earlier that it's right. name recognition. But like, right. like Ian, the gentleman you mentioned, um, is uh, has, has little exposure. So how does he get into into you know? He, he does it by spotlight? doing exactly what he did. He talks to groups. He talks to people who then repeat his name. Uh, same thing goes with Sarah. You know, she talks to people, talks to group. They repeat the name. Mm -hmm. And once you get to know the name, then you make the connection to the ballot. I, th I think what will benefit a, a lot of our candidates in terms of getting their name recognition out there is that we obviously have an incumbent governor, Lulian Guerrero, and, and she has a tremendous uh, organization and, and machine that is, I think they have meetings three or four times a week, uh, pocket meetings, as, as mm -hmm. we all know them. And, and that's an opportunity that uh, uh, the, that campaign has given opportunity to any Democratic candidate to come out and, and talk to their, essentially their base. And so I think uh, one, I think that um, uh, that practice of getting on the stump and, and, and refining their message uh, and why they're running, um, and then you know it's broadcasted on Facebook. We do Instagram. The, the party's trying to do more on social media uh, mm -hmm. to get their names out there. We're, we're really going to make a, a strong push. I know the Republicans are as well. I think they're a little bit more um, uh, uh, organized. Uh, they had I think a little more time to, to organize and get some uh, national resources. We've been working uh, on, on on the same thing. Yeah, that's you know one of the things we had we had the administration. I'm talking about the Camacho and the Calvo administration. So we had 16 years uh, at Adaloo. But when you do it, when you have that, you have that organization that comes with being an incumbent. Mm -hmm. And for for other candidates, whether it's senatorial or or, or the delegate race, they can lock in with uh, that incumbent. You know, this is the first time in quite a while we do have we don't have it. And thank goodness. Uh, we've got a lot more support from the Republican National Committee, and uh, they're giving us a lot of resources in terms of funding, 
And then just the technological know-how and the ability to use the, uh, the database and the information that the Republican National Committee has. So we're excited by the, the help that is gonna be coming by from the national side. And then of course, we're looking forward to, you know, showing the differences between what the Republicans have to offer and the Democrats. And you gotta admit it, it's, if there was ever a time to really compare records and to show, uh, you know, the situation, uh, are you, like I said, the simple question that I saw on the platform for Governor Camacho, are you better off now than you were four years ago? Because very rarely has there ever been a time where you had the national and local leadership under one party. We have uh, the legislature in Guam, uh, the delegate and the Adaloop that has been in control uh, of government operations. But then at the same time, you had the, the president of the United States, you had the upper house, uh, the Senate and the lower house Congress, all in control of the operations of government. And so, you know, the record and what, and, and when that day, when that folk person gets in there to vote and that simple question, whether it's in Guam uh, or it's in, uh, in Des Moines uh, or in Poughkeepsie, where am I at? And am I happy with the situation I am in terms of myself, my family and my business? All right, I know Tony, you, you want to comment on that? We yeah. have to take a quick break, gotta pay some bills. <laughs> Sorry, we'll be back with more uh, in just a moment. Please stay with us. Shapes up. Keep it with KUAM News for all the news you need to know as you head to the polls. From weekly candidate profile analysis on the hub on KUAM News Hotspot to our online candidate directory on KUAM.com. Special features on KUAM Digital and KUAM News Primetime. Plus, live coverage of forums and debates. We're your one-stop source on every platform. Stay informed with KUAM News, your news leader, the voice of the Marianas. Snacks. We got diapers for baby girl. Oh, 7.15, we gotta go. Uh, bread, milk. Gas for work. Remember to grab Joe Boy a birthday present. Mm -hmm. Happy day. Hey, Molly, how much do you pay for daycare for the kids? Uh, over 600 a month, it's expensive. Did you hear about the governor's program that covers up to $675 a month for childcare? Well, that would be a lifesaver with the rising cost of everything. Check guamchildcare.com to apply. We qualified. I even booked an appointment for someone to walk me through the process. Guamchildcare.com. Okay, thanks. I'll apply today. This ad is paid for with federal funds administered by DPHSS. Say hello to the First Hawaiian Bank mobile app. Want a better look at your spending? With Money Map, you can automatically create budgets and manage where your money is going. Know when you have a green light or when it's time to slow down. Maybe cook more meals at home this week. Set your goals, track your progress, and find your way to exactly where you want to be with Money Map from the First Hawaiian Bank mobile app. It all starts with yes. 
Mark your calendars for the Father Duenas Memorial School Annual Reunion Gala. Saturday, July 16th from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. at the Phoenix Center in Ta'i, Manila. Featuring live entertainment, a beer and wine garden, and a fry raffle with an array of excellent prizes. Tickets are $100 per person with VIP tables available for reservation. A special night to reunite, reminisce, and have a great time. All alumni from the classes and guests are invited to attend. For more information and reservations, please call 671-734-2261 or 3 or visit www.fatherduenas.com. All proceeds benefit the FDE Endowment Foundation, a 501c entity. Special thanks to all of our sponsors. See website for complete list of sponsors. All right, welcome back to the hub right here on the hotspot. And when we left, uh, Governor uh, Calvo asked that question, Tony, um, are you better off than you were four years ago? Yeah, I, I'm sure that's going to be one of the mantras that, uh, that the Republican uh, candidate for governor will, will say. I, I, I will ask the question, are you better off than, than you were 16 years ago? This, this administration, the Leon Guerrero-Tenor administration, has eliminated the debt, uh, has paid uh, tax refunds ahead of the mandated uh, court order, has, has paid a cost of living allowance ahead of time. The Democratic legislature has lowered the BPT for more than 90% of, of small business owners. And I will say that uh, the Governor Calvo, uh, for his part when he was in office, he took a, a, a very bold step in leadership in increasing that BPT to offset the, uh, the, trap, the Trump tax cuts that are still in effect today, right? And so, uh, but I think recognizing everything that, that's going on with our economy. I, I thought it was right for a Democratic legislature to, to drop that BPT for more than, uh, for 90% of small business owners uh, on Guam. Uh, and, and the other thing uh, in the last four years is that GovGuam has not issued a bond for either tax refunds or for operations during this administration. So as much as uh, the Republicans may wanna ask during this campaign season, are you better off than you were four years ago? I would ask, is the island better off than we were 16 years ago? And I, and I think we are. All right. Before we get into more of that, um, Ron, let me just ask you, uh, since, you since we brought up the, uh, the gubernatorial, um, the Democrats will have a contested primary. Um, Felix Camacho will run uncontested so he can coast, if you will, until the uh, general election. Um, who's, uh, is that an advantage or disadvantage? I, I think it's a disadvantage in, in some ways because, uh, and, and I guess uh, Tony and I were talking earlier on, is that I think Guam should really take a strong look at the primary and, and see whether the primary is actually healthy or not. Because in some ways it disadvantages uh, groups like, in, in this case, the Republicans because they have 16 and then on the other hand you have the Democrats who have 21. I don't know whether, whether primaries are even needed at this point, especially when you have three candidates for governor and three candidates for, for delegate. Uh, I think that some more consideration should be given over, I know the, the Democrats wanted to cancel their primary and just go to their, their in-house method. I think some more discussion should be given to whether a primary is even needed because sometimes primaries can, can be less than helpful. Usually primaries in, in other environments, you have districts, we don't have districts on Guam and that makes primaries more useful when you have an open uh, a cohort of candidates. We have 15 votes that we use to elect people to the legislature. In that kind of environment, the, the I'm not so positive about primaries. Is it unusual? Nobody ran against you as an incumbent, right? No. Is it unusual for uh, an, uh, an incumbent to be challenged in the primary? I can't recall. Any 98. 98 was there? Yeah. Yeah. And oh, then, right. yeah, uh, that was a very contentious election in 1998. 
5% of people voted Republican at the primary, 95% yeah. voted Democrat. And that's part of the, the, the issue is, you know, whether it's healthy or not. Uh, I, I think also, uh, you know, the in, incumbents often uh, have an advantage, of course, mm -hmm. but in some ways they're, they're at a disadvantage because then they're responsible for everything. The, the, uh, we were talking outside about this and he brought up the 98 situation or uh, where it seemed that um, only 5% of Republicans stayed home and 95% of them went and participated in the Democratic primary. It's, it, it's, it's, it's for those reasons that, uh, that the Central Executive Committee of the Democratic Party of Guam had voted to close off its primary. We believe that um, at the grassroots level, Democrats should be electing their Democratic Party uh, um, uh, banners to, to to represent us in the general election, right? It's it's no more than, you know, I'm from Agate, and yeah. I'm sure uh, uh, voters in Jigo wouldn't want me to be voting for the Jigo mayor. I have no business in Jigo, right? By the way, I find that interesting because, you know, the, the Democratic Party was always talking about dirty tricks. But if, if you really look at the Camacho two terms of their administration and the two terms of the Cowboy administration, a lot of that, there's history to it. And by, by the way, talking about 16 years ago, I remember 16 years ago because I was a senator. I'm a little bit older than you. There was no power. There was no water. And Adelaide was wiped out. So Governor Camacho came into a situation with his administration where there was no power. There was no water. Uh, there was concerns about looting because of the total destruction of Guam. But he didn't order roadblocks and shut down businesses. Uh, but I, I can't tell you, going back into history, what got me elected was a bunch of Democrats that were upset with Carl Gutierrez. A lot of the Bradalio Underwood organization went my way. Before me, it got, God bless Governor Felix Camacho, but because of the fighting that was going on within the Democratic Party, what assisted Governor Camacho to get elected for two terms, again, Carl, Governor Gutierrez had some tough times with Robert Underwood, uh, or Tom and Lou, uh, but with that, the Gutierrez faction went over and voted for Governor Camacho. So, so this whole thing about closed primary, open primary, and dirty tricks, there, there's a reason. There, there's more Democrats in Guam than there are Republicans. How we get elected Republicans, and how we got 16 years, is we had a, a solidified Republican Party. We had a, a pretty good showing of the independents. And then for the Democratic Party, there was a sizable faction that pulled out for whatever reasons they could not unify and went and supported either uh, Governor Camacho or myself. So again, this whole issue on a closed primary because of somehow the Republicans being able to fix things, to me, that's a fallacy. In, in, the reality is it was interesting, the fighting that was going on within the Democratic Party that helped propel 16 years of, of Republican leadership uh, in Adelaide. So that's where I, I beg to disappoint. Well, Tony, you want to respond to that? Yeah, it, I mean, it's not a fallacy. And is that going to be a situation in this case too with uh, with Lou and Josh and, and, and Mike and Sabrina? Well, well let, let me speak to the fallacy part first. It, it, it's not a fallacy. These things happen. They, they happen here at the local level, as Governor Calvo had just described. They happen at the national level, uh, at the state level. Uh, in the past uh, four or five years, there have been uh, about four or five states where where the GOP has voted to close off their primaries because Democrats are are uh, are interfering on their primary elections. They want to be able to elect their uh, their standard party bearers, right? 
um, it, this happens across the country. And, 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 it's, and for the Democratic Party, it, it's not necessarily how Republicans feel about our primary. Um, according to uh, a Republican-appointed judge, uh, the Superior Court of Guam, Judge Alberto Lamarena, uh, in a case that we had cited when we were uh, going through this process, uh, it's a decision of the party, and, and it's the governing body of the party that makes these decisions. And so I have a central executive committee that is elected uh, uh, by Democrats, a male and female, from every village around the island, and they are the governing body of the Democratic Party. They made the decision, uh, knowing that they had the opportunity to close off the primary, to close off, their prim uh, to close off the Democratic primary so that only Democrats mm -hmm. uh, can vote for those, uh, uh, for those Democrats that are running to be our standard party bearers. It doesn't prevent um, us, nor should it be an indication that we are not a big tent party. We are obviously a big tent party. We have 21 candidates. Every, every office that's on the ballot is, uh, uh, has a primary election. But the bottom line is uh, I, I respect what Republicans think, but I absolutely disagree with them if they want to talk about Democratic Party politics. This is a decision for Democrats and the Democratic Party of Guam. And if Republicans want to close off their primary, that's completely their decision. I will have nothing to say about it, right? Yeah. Ron, do you see um, that happening where uh, the loser of the, um, uh, the Democratic primary for governor um, pushes their uh, folks to the Repu Republicans? I think if there's significant crossover, they certainly would probably be justified in questioning it. And I think for that reason, we might just be headed to court uh, this this election after the primary. It just depends on how, how the cards fall, if, if, if that, that happens. You know, it's very, very interesting on Guam. Our elected leaders love to go to court on these issues. In the CNMI, they never go to court. There's like a 100 you know, vote margin between two or three candidates that happened in 2006, no litigation at all. On Guam, we have a 2,000 vote gap, there's litigation. I don't know, it's, it's, it's a very interesting uh, shift in, in how, how people look. But I think it needs to be given a strong look, and I think the Organic Act needs to be looked at. And, and these points are arguable. You know, people can argue back and forth what they think or not think. But I think in the bottom line is uh, if a person feels that the primary is unfair, they're probably going to strongly question it. Interesting. Um, so one of the big issues that uh, uh, politi um, political issues that came up in the past couple of weeks is um, Congressman Michael Sinicholas coming forward, responding to the House Ethics Committee's report, pretty damning report against him. Um, he's basically saying that, um, you know, they didn't uh, charge him, even though they forwarded the, um, their report to the Justice Department. Did that help or did that hurt um, Congressman Sinicholas um, by coming out and, and responding to the House? Well I, well, I think it's it's been outstanding for three years, and, and he didn't speak much about it while he was going through that process. So I, I think he owed it to the uh, to the public to be able uh, to speak to it. And, and I won't talk about the particulars um, of the report um, in any great detail. I, I think I will just point out that, you know, I've, I, I wanted to go back and uh, I, I read the, the report on Mr. San Nicholas. I also went back and kind of looked at the past uh, several years of reports that have come out against other members of Congress. and. Um, you know, for for journalists especially, I mean, words matter, right? And uh, the words that the House Ethics uh, Committee used in describing uh, their conclusions uh, were very powerful. Um, uh, public condemnation, uh, substantial evidence. Those are words that I haven't found in other reports. Uh, but that's something that Mr. St. Nicholas has to uh, be able to continue to speak to as he, as he goes through the campaign. I can 
uh, I can say from a firsthand experience, um, uh, you know, it's um, uh, it's a difficult situation, both professionally and personally. I had a uh, an investigation while I was assistant secretary that resulted in my uh, resignation, but I did so because I I felt like the, the the mission of the Department of the Interior and the Obama administration and, and kind of the work that they do for the territories is much more important than, than one individual. And if I had lost any sort of confidence because of that uh, investigation, then it was it was my duty to uh, uh, to leave so that that mission could carry on. So that uh, so the, the work in the territories was so important, not only to me but I think to uh, to the people in that office. Uh, and so that's why I left. Um, that's on the professional side. On on the personal side, it's, it's very difficult. I mean, your you know your your family goes through a lot. Um, I was sharing with a uh, with a friend of mine earlier today that at that time I think my daughter was like 10 or 11 years old. Never used Google, right? She had an iPad, but. You know, now she's a sophomore in college, and, and certainly in the past two years, uh, we had a very long conversation because she Googled her father's name and read the report and had a lot of questions, uh, more on the personal family side, which was, uh, which was, you know, uh, me and my ex-wife had to sit down and, and, and talk to her. It's an adult conversation with a, with a, you know, with a new adult. Um, Mr. St. Nicholas will have to um, uh, make those decisions both professionally and uh, and personally, and the voters will have to respond to it. Appreciate your candor, Tony. Uh, you know, you obviously, doesn't help when you, any negative publicity does not help. Uh, in fact, you just look in the past in Guam. You know, in our side, the last election, issues happen, um, and those negative issues. You know, it's the electorate will take it, and that will be part of the decision-making process. But I can also say something about Mike Sinicholas. I've, I've underestimated him in, in the past few elections. I, I, so have I. Mike has, Mike has had, a, 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 I think he was one of the first folks, I, I'm one a dinosaur, because the old style of retail politics going out to the Matais, to the Fandangos, the omening of the, of the Manamku, the kissing of the babies, that thing has changed. Back in 2014, Mike was, I think, one of the first guys in the social media thing. And I've noticed about that guy, he built um, kind of through a different means, a, a, a support base. And, you know, again, he, he's beaten some heavyweights. So Mike has built a support base. And I think those su support base will stick with him. But it's those undecided votes, those other folks that decide to make a decision where they go uh, and whether they decide that these these issues will hurt him. But but Mike, is, 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 he's beaten, he's beaten, he's beaten Berdalio, Underwood, God, God bless Doris Brooks, is a, you know, was, was a superstar of the Republican Party, and he's beat them all. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people were thinking that that was Madeline's job for as long as she wanted it, and we're a little bit surprised when, when he... Okay, we got to take another break, but we'll be right back with more of The Hub in just a moment. I just don't want to forget it. Lunches, snacks, yeah, diapers for baby girl. Oh, 7.15, we got to go. Uh, bread, milk, gas for work. Remember to grab Joe Boy a birthday present. Mm -hmm. um, Half a day. Hey Molly, how much do you pay for daycare for the kids? Uh, over 600 a month, it's expensive. Did you hear about the governor's program that covers up to 675 a month for childcare? Well, that would be a lifesaver with the rising cost of everything. Check guamchildcare.com to apply. We qualified. I even booked an appointment for someone to walk me through the process. guamchildcare.com. 
Okay, thanks. I'll apply today. This ad is paid for with federal funds administered by DPHSS. Say hello to the First Hawaiian Bank mobile app. Got a question about your finances? You've come to the right place. Bring all your accounts together, even those that aren't with us, and see the big picture, right down to the smallest detail. Unlock powerful tools like Insights and Money Map that help you save time and take control of your finances. When you connect accounts with the First Hawaiian Bank mobile app, it all starts with yes. Mark your calendars for the Father Duenas Memorial School Annual Reunion Gala, Saturday, July 16th from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. at the Phoenix Center in Ta'i Manila, featuring live entertainment, a beer and wine garden, and a fry raffle with an array of excellent prizes. Tickets are $100 per person with VIP tables available for reservation. A special night to reunite, reminisce, and have a great time. All alumni at reunion classes and guests are invited to attend. For more information and reservations, please call 671-734-2261 or 3 or visit www.father.com. All proceeds benefit the FBE Endowment Foundation, a 501c entity. Special thanks to all of our sponsors. See website for complete list of sponsors. All right, we're back for the final stretch. Governor Calvin, I think you wanted to mention something. You know, I just noticed some of the folks I mentioned, I just want to make sure I mentioned Michelle Hope Titano. And and with Michelle, you know, I didn't mention her name, but that, that young lady has been with our administration and she's done an admirable job there. And I know she's... She, this is not her first time running. So like Ron mentioned, some of this, this um, recognition, when you have Michelle, when you have Sandra, when you have Vince, these are, Vince Borja, these are three folks that ran in the last cycle. You know, so I'm hopeful now that, that with the name recognition that you know, these three folks can now, again, uh, garner enough support to get in there. So I just wanted to mention that name because I believe I did forget to, to mention it earlier on. All right, uh, so uh, for our final few minutes here, I wanted to talk about another major issue that's come about, and that was the Supreme Court's overturning of Roe v. Wade. Uh, I know that um, uh, it's caused a, a little bit of a stir here locally. Um, you know, sides are kind of galvanizing. Um, wanted to just ask you guys if you think this is gonna be a major political issue, or, or if it's kind of a one-off thing that uh, isn't really going to be in the in the you know the the big discussion uh tony no i i, I think it's going to be a major political it's issue i mean the, the ramifications of the uh, the overturning of roe v wade by the u.s supreme court huge issue for uh for the country and then uh beyond that uh, a, a huge issue for all the uh all the different jurisdictions states and territories because as a result of uh the supreme court's ruling those decisions are going to be left in in those local jurisdictions so uh, it's extremely important if you believe in uh, uh, a woman's right to choose uh, and, 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 and uh, what they need to do to be able to take care of their own health, uh, which, which I believe. I mean, I have two daughters now, right? I have one who's 19. I have one who's two years old. And my 19-year-old daughter just two weeks ago participated in a, uh, a rally in Virginia where she spoke about um, uh, the opportunities and the availability and the choice that her younger sister is going to have as, as, as she gets uh, along in life. I think it's going to uh, rally younger voters who, by and large, have grown up uh, uh, with this kind of constitutional protection as we thought that it was going to be. Uh, and we have a pro-choice uh, governor who's a nurse, and uh, you know that uh, falls firmly within her beliefs, not only, I think, her personal beliefs, but her beliefs as a, 
as a as a healthcare practitioner as well. So I think it's going to be a, a huge rallying call. It should be for young voters to get registered to vote and to uh, make those choices for candidates who uh, who reflect your values. Yeah. I know, Governor, you've got some strong thoughts, but let me ask uh, Ron to weigh in first, and then we'll we'll, we'll close with you. Sure. Uh, in, in general, the national politics stuff doesn't really play well on Guam. And in, in the national level, women per 1,000 women, 60 per 1,000 give birth in the U.S. mainland in any given year. On Guam, it's 142. We are a baby-friendly community. And so the, the rhetoric that you hear, especially nationally, the really offensive rhetoric, it really turns people off here. And, and the final little point I'll mention to this is on Guam, there are mothers and fathers and grandparents, grandfathers and grandmothers who hold babies. And that's how we view babies here. It's a very, very different environment than the U.S. mainland. Yeah. First of all, I think it'll be a major issue, but I think it won't, you know, there are folks that are single uh, uh, issue voters. Uh, and in Guam, I, I do believe what Ron said, there's a, a strong pro-life uh, population here. Uh, I do think there's such distinct differences in the platforms, both the Republican National Committee and the Democrat DNC. Republican National Committee uh, platform is pro-life. The Democratic National Committee is pro-abortion all the way till birth. Pro-choice, Governor. Uh, pro-choice, <laughs> if you like, till birth. Uh, pro-choice, Governor. Just, we're we're, we're pro-women making a decision yeah. for their own bodies. And, and then let me continue. With the Camacho uh, 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 platform reveal they're very clearly pro-life um, but you know I think it's important if you go into the details oh by the way I do want to make a comment I saw a Wisconsin congressman being interviewed what are the the three major issues in his district inflation crime and drugs and boy I say boy inflation crime and drugs sounds like Guam so these are still hot bushing issues especially when you stuff to the talking about the pocketbook but I digress this whole issue on Roe Ro versus Wade and how the left has spun it as making it illegal and Tony you were in Washington we all know Roe versus Wade even you you had um, uh, Ruth Bader, Bader Ginsburg saying that wasn't the right way to do it because that was a privacy act issue I think the issue now is going to all the states and territories it should never been a privacy act issue. It should be the issue on a right. You're right. A woman's right to decide what she does with her body, but also when does an unborn child be tr treated as a, as a person, and what rights does that person have? You know, a lot of stuff have happened over the years. Number one, the advances in sciences. So they used to talk about uh, uh, conception that it's a, it's a wart or a mall. No, you know what's weird? There's an explosion of cellular activity each with unique DNA. Um, we're now finding out about the threshold of pain and that now there's a sensory, uh, uh, there's a sensory uh, portion to, to an unborn child early on. That's part of the reason for the heartbeat. Uh, modern science has showed us that we could now with modern medicine, that a baby can become, unborn child can become viable at, at uh, 30 weeks. So, so where modern science is showing that this is not just a mole or a wart, it's unique. It has its own DNA footprint, uh, fingerprint. This this unborn child can feel pain, and I think that is why it's so important. It goes to the state and territorial legislatures. We have these very difficult discussions, but we we weigh in the woman's choice to what she wants to do with her body, and whether this unborn child should have some right as a person. 
and uh, it's going to be a great debate. All right, I hate to call you out, but we are running out of time, out of time. Um, that's uh, this edition of uh, the first edition of The Hub. Uh, we'll see you again next week. Um, just to plug uh, next uh, Tuesday's um, uh, candidates, uh, incumbent Senator Joe San Augustine will be on, uh, Daryl Chris Malafunction Barnett, Vince Bora, and Tom Fisher on the Republican side. That's uh, next week, Tuesday, on our show. Thanks for watching, everyone. Thanks to Governor Eddie Cavos. Thanks to Thanks, Tony Babauta. And thanks to Ron McDinch for joining us. Fascinating conversation, gentlemen. Really appreciate it. Good. See everybody. We'll see you next week. I'm Nestor Lecanto. Peter <laughs>